0: Welcome to 2LO Rebooted, where we tell the stories of BBC Design and Engineering. I'm Bill Thompson. In this programme, we look at audio production, AI and media services. First, we're off to the Deere Forum, which took place on December 13th in BBC Scotland's Pacific Key headquarters in Glasgow. The event's organised each year by Jared Thomas, and looks at DERA NG, the audio edit and playout software that we rely on to manage the production and playout of audio for radio formats. It's used every day by production teams across the BBC, and the forum's a chance for the DERA community to talk about the product and hear from its developer, Sizes. Jared's the executive editor for Pan BBC Audio Edit and Playout, and he told me why this event is held each year.
1: The product name is Audio Edit and Play Out, so that is the systems that we use to make, produce and broadcast radio programs. And uh, there's now quite a large part of the BBC using the currently procured primary BBC product which is DIRA and so basically it's nice to get together once a year and and get people to meet up but also to give them sort of an exposure to the kind of things that might be coming down the line towards them so it tends to be quite future focused
0: and who do we have in the audience here today what sort of people are coming along
1: so it's mostly technical people there are some operations people so people who you actually use it there's a lot of people who look after it and support it for the BBC. And we've got the supplier, Cysis, who have bought a contingent, and they've bought demos and things so they can show us what's coming, what they're working on.
0: And you look at a fairly broad range of issues. It's not just the product, it's also the future of audio at the BBC.
1: Yeah, it's radio-focused. The idea is to do is about the future of things that will impact on radio because although the system... Yeah, is it's a specific system. Actually, it's at the heart of making radio. We're in the process still in the process of rolling it out to places like local radio and to Wales, but by and large for most of the BBC if you're making radio you'll be making it on the DIRA system.
0: And DIRA does everything you need to make radio for you know, to actually produce it, run the studio, get it out there on air.
1: You can entirely make your entire program within the, the whole dira environment and broadcast it and you know um, yeah pretty much do everything you need to do
0: and you mentioned that this is really about looking at the future so what are the trends that you're observing what, what have we heard here today about the future of, of deere as a platform or of audio editing um, edit and play out
1: so one of the things is sort of metadata with greater requirement for metadata and that's just a pig because metadata is just really difficult and the other thing is sort of future developments like so interfaces human interfaces things like making sure that we can do it, do do the work on it based in browser-based tools. So at the moment we have these clients that you have to deploy to a desktop client. It's an application that needs to be installed. Upgrading that is a real pain. So there's there's that sort of technology move towards web-based stuff. There's also things like object-based audio where we don't, we don't, we don't really know what it is, but we know it could be it's probably going to be a massive game changer. But so we're still trying to feel our way around that.
0: So, so this is the point where there are lots of possibilities out there and you're trying just to understand them well enough to bring them into BBC planning rather than saying, oh this is coming in six months' time.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of the things we've got in our current system have come about, a lot of the functionalities come about because of BBC's specific requirements for doing things the way we do it. We're probably fairly unique in the radio world in that we publish uh, pre-recorded programmes as half-hour files. Most radio is music-based, and if people want to automate a a, you know a half-hour program, they'll use a technique called voice tracking, where they actually do it in the schedule, and so the schedule just plays through things on auto, including the pre-recorded voice links between the music tracks. We don't work like that, particularly because we also work within independent producers, but also internal BBC production departments produce programs as single files and. When that's a music program, that causes a problem because you, you start playing something and there's nothing in the audio to tell you when a music track's starting and stopping, but we still want the DAB text to come out and we want the track list to appear on, online. So we have to have, we, we have we, we've called it genealogy, it's a, an ability to mark, to sort of in the metadata mark up the sections of a track and say what it was made of. Slowly people see these things are useful features. So I think that that so although uh, CISIS developed the genealogy thing for us quite a long, long time ago, you'll now see quite a few other products having something similar um, because other broadcasters have found that actually it's a really useful thing. So.
0: Jared Thomas there, talking about the ways we make radio. The session I was involved in was about AI and audio production and as well as Tony Chernside and Chris Roberts, the panel included a contribution from Rasheen Lochran, a senior researcher at University College Dublin. So, Rasheed, we've just come literally off stage where we've been talking about. AI and the radio and, and in our conversation you made some points about what artificial intelligence is, you sort of deconstructed the term, perhaps you could, you could share that with me. When we say AI what are we really saying?
2: I believe the term AI at the moment has just been overused particularly in the media, it's become a, a huge hype term um, and it's come to mean just a various different things to different people. Really what it covers is a, a broad range of applications and programs along the spectrum Um, at the very lowest level, it's basically any kind of program or or, a piece of computer software that can actually help you do anything really, um, in which case it has been around for years and years and is widely used. On the other end of the spectrum then you have whereby you're talking about an embodied co- cognitive robot or something that has an emotive response and can write, write poetry for you. But in reality, I think what we mean when we hear the term AI is um, anything that relates really to a broad range of computer science programs related to machine learning or, or any derivative of that that is in some way helpful.
0: And it's that being helpful that really counts, that if if we think about how it might make a difference to radio, it has to be something that, that will assist us in the process of making radio and getting it out there, not just random application of this science fiction idea of some overarching intelligence that will do the job for us.
2: Absolutely, yes. The idea of AI uh, and any kind of machine learning tool is that it is that it's a tool, it's a tool to be helpful, it's a tool to normally take over the more mundane jobs that we're made, made to do, so in a sense automation is, is a very, very strong point um, when we're talking about any of this, so it's a question of instead of reinventing the wheel every time you want to, to perform a task, you've got a way of actually automatically doing this um, to save you time to, to, you know, focus on the more interesting parts of your job, I suppose. <laughs>
0: And one of the specific things that we talked about uh, in the session was music generation of creating music and is there the possibility that some of that music which currently comes from perhaps library music or is is sourced from living artists will be replaced by computer generated music?
2: there is an element of that yes even at the moment there's quite a wide range of generative music that's out there and that can be generated for for a specific theme or in relation to a certain artist or genre or anything like that um, specifically actually what I look at isn't so much generative music as it is um, computational creativity which again is a slightly different spectrum whereby really what I'm looking at I'm using music as a domain to try and investigate the cognitive aspects of creativity and what it means to be creative so in my systems I care less about the music that it generates and more into the why it generated that way what way, what aspects of the system made it try and, and, and work that way which makes it very uninteresting to certain people because the music doesn't sound very good but uh, from my point of view that that's what's interesting the cognitive aspects of computational creativity
0: does that imply that in 10, 15, 20 years time, as your research continues, we'll have a music panel similar to the panel we have with the our faders on, and we'll be able to turn up pathos and rhythm and generate music that has particular characteristics. Is that not where you're going?
2: It is possible. There is a whole field at the moment called intelligent music production, which is actually looking at doing just that, at actually doing mixes uh, of particular sounds or particular musical compositions. So there is that aspect that possibly, you know, if we were to completely succeed and and get to the end of our goal, then we have these autonomous music composers, and arguably that's not what we want. And I'm I'm quite willing to admit that. But it's still fun to see what we can learn on the journey getting there, because by looking at that journey, looking at creativity and cognition, it's very self-referential as well. So we can actually learn a lot more about human aspects of creativity and cognition which are still elude us at the moment as well so there is that whole kind of philosophical psychological aspect to it as well but we're using machine learning methods like evolutionary uh, programming to to look at these these aspects as well so it's, it's a very interdisciplinary field.
0: And it's something that's incredibly relevant to the BBC, it has to be said. We we pride ourselves on being such a creative organisation, both editorially and in terms of our our engineering, that anything that helps us understand what that means and how we might do it better is going to be important. So so thanks for sharing your work with us today. Rasheed Loughran there, speculating about a future for music production. We're going to finish with a report from Prue Stubbs, the Women in STEM coordinator up in Salford and a regular contributor. She went to visit Media Services, the team responsible for publishing all of our online audio and video, to talk about a recruitment event they'd recently organised.
3: Hello, my name is Kayla, and I am a junior software engineer on Media Services. Hello, I'm Jean Jimbo, I'm also a software engineer in Media Services.
4: Hello, I'm Joad, I'm a software engineer at Media Services 2.
3: Huddle in, guys, huddle in, huddle in. Apparently, y'all did an event. Recently, about a week and a half ago, we held an event mainly aimed at recruiting women with software engineering and other technical backgrounds
5: and this was about two weeks ago um, we basically put together a bunch of talks from people in media services um, we spoke about you know experiences working here in the BBC we also spoke about some of the technical stuff that we've done
4: I think we were a good variety of people we were able to go technically into our talks it wasn't you know oh we can't we want to hide information it was let's just go all out with what we know and what we've done and um, just being able to speak to different people.
2: You guys aren't from resourcing, you guys inspired you to say, hey, let's have an event for people. Did you just want to show off?
3: Um, (laughs) You know, I'm not going to lie, that's part of it, but uh, no, me and Jean sort of identified a lack of female engineers on our team. Yeah, we also Um, want
5: people to kind of know that BBC is actually a good place for engineering. We, most of us actually came in via similar events. So, you know, when we heard about what the BBC does, then the interest that was garnered there is why we ended up applying in the first place.
3: My favourite thing about the event was kind of the variety of talks that we gave. Everyone who gave a talk was from basically a different background and had some unique story to tell while incorporating their own achievements in the office. And then at the end of the event, you could kind of see the success of it based on the fact that people didn't leave and people stayed and asked questions and talked and, you know, wanted to keep asking questions.
4: Also, I think we got some follow-ups, people actually contacting us, you know, via social media and whatnot to actually ask us more questions. So I guess that shows.
5: Mm, Cool. Um, Worst thing, um, probably that we couldn't talk to every single person. (laughs) It was actually a lot of fun. Um, The event was too
3: successful. (laughs) Well,
2: this is... This is for the podcast, so if you had one piece of advice for somebody who was about to apply for a, um, just like, a quote-unquote ordinary job in design engineering, there ain't one because we're all fantastic superheroes, or someone who is going to apply for a trainee or apprenticeship with design engineering because they're open until the 7th of January or something like that, what would you say to the person? Well,
5: my one piece of advice um, would be bring your authentic self. Because a lot of the time people come and they put on a completely different persona because they think that's what gets you a job, but actually bring your real, your real self.
4: Yeah, I mean for me it was just about letting myself loose when I got my interview <laughs> and I spent two hours just talking with the interviewer and then we started two hours, another two hours of in the interview and that's the best interview I did.
2: Because you kept him 100? Yeah. I
3: love that phrase. Yeah, reiterating that the, those points, I guess everyone's got you know different skills to give mm-hmm. and there's no one certain type of software engineer or whatever role you're yeah. applying for so you really you know you just got to be yourself
2: because the best thing is that people who interview people know when you're being 100% and yeah. when you're being fake and that makes a huge difference have you got anything else you want to say
3: go media services <laughs> yeah go media
5: services I've never had- go, go media, media services, services. <laughs>
3: And that's it for this
2: DLE download from 2LO Rebooted. Stay tuned for the next one.